Yeah, that was a good one. It yeah. like gets better every time you do it. Every time, man. Surprise! <laughs> Belated birthday present. This dude's been grinding since day one. Yeah, and it's something like, who are these dipshits? Exactly. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Grinding Game Show. My name is Andrew Gleason. I'm Johnny. Johnny, what's up, man? Uh, not much, dude. How you doing? Are you still on uh, diaper rash duty, or how's Emma's? How's that going? <laughs> it's 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 good. We're all healed up. Uh, just yeah, clean as a baby's bottom, smooth as a baby's bottom. There you said. go. There you go. Yeah, we're all uh, good. So, breaking news today for um, you and I are both Georgia fans. Fromm is leaving. Did you hear that? He's headed what? to the draft. Yeah, he's declaring he's, for the he, draft. Oh my gosh. What do you think? Dude. What do you think? Wow, dude, that's a shocker. I really did not expect that. Uh I mean, he is not he's not ranked very high as far as the other quarterbacks going no, in front of him. I think they have him like the sixth ranked quarterback. And then I mean, with Tua announcing, I thought he would back off, but for sure, because that just bumps him down another another slot. Yeah, and so it's <sighs> there's a Right now, there's a bleak outlook for Georgia fans next year. We, we don't have a Trans- whole lot of people coming what, back. I wonder what we got in the transfer portal. Hopefully, we can get like a, a, J- a Jalen Hurts out there or something like that. So, Johnny, before we get going, we got an awesome episode today, man. I, I got to ask you one question. Yeah, go ahead. Who is your favorite MLB closer? Oh, that's easy, dude. Kirby Yates, for sure. That's Kirby easy. Yates? Why do you say that? Kirby, yeah, Kirby Yates. Uh, he's coming off one of his best years. He's all-star, all-MLB first-teamer, led the league in saves. You know, we play golf together. This dude uh, swings a mean stick. I mean, seriously mean. I Plus one, plus two handicap for this guy's legit, okay? So you guys play golf together. Huh? Why, why can't we get this dude on the show? Well, actually, we have him on the line right now. Kirby, welcome to the show, my man. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'm glad to be here. Johnny, you're giving me some props on that plus one, plus two, buddy. I'm not that good. Yeah, yeah. I've seen you do it. Seen you do it. Uh, on a couple holes, a couple holes here wish. and there. You're a plus one or plus two on a few holes here and there. Yeah, that, I like that. That sounds a little bit more realistic. So, Kirby, first off, man, uh, congratulations <laughs> on your an amazing season last year led the league in era and and saves um i mean how's that feel coming off that <laughs> i it's you know it's um it's one of those things where the season ends and you kind of look up you're like wow that was a pretty good year and you, you know you kind of give yourself a pat on the back and I, I, you enjoy it for a month or two and but like once you you know, once you got to start working for next year, last year is over with. So, you know, it doesn't really mean anything if I go out there and suck next year. I mean, (laughs) it's cool. I can always call myself an an all-star now, but it's like, you know, you you still want to be good the next year and, you know, a few years to come. So work never stops. Especially in in the sport of baseball where failure is so prevalent and you're you know, you can hit 300 and that's great, but you're still going to hit 350 or 400 and, or, you know, you, you could still throw a 1.18 ERA instead of a 1.19. Right. The weird thing is, I think in our sport, it seems like everybody just kind of waits for guys to start sucking. Like, <laughs> it, it's coming I mean? at like some even, point. 
Yeah. I mean, like, oh, this guy's been good for five years. Well, he's probably going to suck this year because he's been good for too long. It's like, I don't know. It's kind of like you'd think it's it's like backwards in a way. Like you'd be pumped that these guys are still playing good. But I don't know. It doesn't always kind of work out that way. Sure. Um, want to jump back, uh, something that a lot of people, I didn't know until, uh, you know, kind of doing a little research, but you grew up in Hawaii. Um, not a lot of MLB players come from Hawaii. Your brother played baseball. He's from there. Shane Victorino outside of that. I can't really name any other Kurt players. Suzuki. Yeah. Um, yeah. Suzuki. Colin Wong's another Colin guy. Wong, yeah. Um, Okay, but Kiner Falefa in Texas. Um, you know, there's a lot more guys that are starting to kind of break that barrier now, which is cool because I think my brother was part of that. Obviously, Victorino and the career he had kind of helped open the door. Brandon League was another guy that pitched for a long time, and he's from Hawaii. So, you know, there there's a lot of guys that kind of opened the door um, before me that you know, kind of let you know that it's possible to be from a little island and, um, you know, make it to the big leagues and do things that you're not really accustomed to. Mm -hmm. I think um, for me, that's one of the biggest things. And I think now where you look, you see a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of Hawaiians and stuff in the minor leagues and that are coming up. And I think that that's really neat. What was it like growing up playing baseball in Hawaii? I mean, you know, you go to California, Georgia, Florida, there's tons of uh, club ball, a bunch of these baseball academies. Uh, is that what's out there in Hawaii? Are you guys doing the same stuff? No. Um, on Oahu, they have like, the, you know, they, they have a lot more people. It's way more populated. So they get a lot more games in. But so I kind I, I grew up on Kauai, which is, um, you know, one of the smaller islands. It's, I think there's 75,000 people there maybe. Dang. Now, I, I could be wrong on that. I'm not sure. I got to believe it's in that ballpark. But we basically, you know, everybody played different sports growing up. You had your baseball season. You had your football season. You had your basketball season. But none of us ever played year-round baseball. We didn't know what that was. And I think, I think honestly, if I played year-round baseball, I probably wouldn't have liked it enough, like, as sure. much. I yeah. think that was – you know, that was one of those things. It's like you play your season and then you're done with your season. You take some time off. You're like, all right, I'm kind of over baseball. And then like a month pass and you're like, oh, I can't wait for next season. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot you know, different I, uh, here. Like I'm, I'm from Atlanta and both my boys play travel ball. And it's, I mean, damn near year round. It's weird that kids kind of specialize in one sport at such an, such an early age now. Um, yeah. so Jai and I were the same way. We played whatever was in season. Um, what else did you, you know, you had those sports, I'm sure. Where are you a surfer also? Yeah, I was going to say that I, I didn't really, I played like soccer and, you know, basketball growing up. But once I got to high school, I kind of only played baseball, but I mean, my dad's a beach bum. My whole family is kind of surf rats. So we were always, you know, going and getting in the water and, you know, we were doing other stuff and not that, you know, not that I wasn't ever really serious about baseball. I was really serious about baseball and I knew that's what I wanted to do, but it's not like I, you know, I wasn't out there playing baseball every day. I would go outside and play like little games with myself and throw a ball against the garage and drop a tennis ball and see how far I could hit it and, you know, stuff like that being kids. But I mean, for the most part, it was once the baseball season was done, my dad was like, all right, let's get away. Let's go surf. Let's go, you know, let's go do other things. Was there ever a plan developed to 
to for baseball to take you somewhere or did you ever want to just I mean you're living in Hawaii did you even want to leave out there I I don't know like I wanted to leave but I didn't know what leaving really meant if that makes sense because I didn't like I, I always thought yeah I'll leave I always thought it'd be easy sure. um and I think going back to your question baseball my dad always like stressed you know you don't have to go pro for baseball to get you something, but you you should have the opportunity to get a college education with your baseball, mm-hmm. and that should be first and foremost. Um, I didn't necessarily have the grades to go along with that. That's kind of how I ended up at Yavapai. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it was uh, it's just one of those things that I left, and when I got to college, like, I didn't realize that, you know, now you're kind of stuck there. It's like, it's not like I can just hop on a plane right away and get home. Um, yeah. you know, you got to kind of wear it. And I, I really did get extremely homesick my first semester of college. And I think that's one of those things that, you know, you don't really expect or get prepared for until you go there and do it. Yeah. So that first semester you're being homesick, what, what kept you motivated or kept you focused? Cause I'm sure that a lot of kids go through that just the first time leaving, especially you, you know, coming to the mainland. Um, Yeah. What, what kept you focused and grounded and, um, you know, on your goal? I think at that time, my brother was in the big leagues um, and he was starting kind of his big league career and getting into it and having some success. And I think, for me, I, I wasn't exactly enjoying baseball at the time. Um, you know what I mean? All I wanted, all I thought about was just going home and, you know, mm-hmm. going back and being a Kawhi boy still. And you, it, it was weird just in the fact that I wasn't going to give up baseball because I knew what it could lead to or what it, like, what I was expecting it to lead to. Cause I was still pretty decent and I was still playing at a pretty high level at a junior college. And, you know, during that fall, like I was having a good fall on the mound and it wasn't like I was just going to straight walk away from that. But on the other hand, like I'm watching my brother in the big leagues and stuff like that. So there was that excitement about it. Like, all right, I can do it. If Tyler can do it, I can do it. And then on the other hand, you got, you know, the wanting to go home and being homesick, dragging you down right. a little bit. So it was, it was just about finding that way to kind of grow up and mature a little bit. And you know, that right. just, that, that took a little bit of time. Is uh so Tyler, is he older? Yeah, he's 10 years older. Okay. So was he always big bro? You're trying to, you know, always be on his level and compete with him at anything. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know if you guys got brothers, but like if your brother goes and does something and tells you you can't do it, you're just going to be like, yeah, what that? I'll do, yeah, I'm going to do it twice dude. as good. Yeah. We'll see about that. So, but I mean, on top of that, Tyler is one of the big influences that puts me in a position that I'm in now. I mean, he's, you know, he was my basically my own personal pitching coach for, you know, 15 years of my life when I was, you know, I started throwing a ball like I could actually start throwing a ball at what, like 12, 13 years old where, you know, he could start teaching me stuff. So, you know, and with that, I mean, it's like, and another thing, too, it's like those guys weren't going to let me quit. My dad and my brothers, like they weren't going to let me quit. You know, they would call me names, tell me right. to toughen up and, you know, and like basically, yeah, sack up tough luck. Like, oh, well, come you want to come here and come home and swing a hammer with your other brother. And it's like, 
no, I don't really want to do that, but well, it's like, well, that's your alternative, buddy. So it's like, you know, that's what was that the grass isn't yeah, always greener. Was that, was that all the motivation that you needed or was there something else that happened that, you know, like, I got to get serious about this. I got to make this work. Well, like I always want, I always wanted to do it. And like, it was just always about getting the opportunity to do it. And unfortunately when I was at you by my freshman year, I blew out and I had to have Tommy John. And I think mm-hmm. in doing that, that was when I started growing up a little bit. And, you know, that that's when, you know, I really kind of, it, it wasn't like, it, a lot of people were like, well, didn't you think you were done? It was like, my mind never kind of wandered to the fact that if I was ever going to play baseball again, it was never like, that was never an option. It was like, yeah, I'll be fine. Like, I'm going to come back from this. And like, to go back to Tyler and the big brother, like, I watched my brother blow out from Tommy John and he made it out. He made it back. I watched him blow out his shoulder right. and make it back. So it's like, it's one of those things. It's like a competitive rivalry. Like Tyler made it back. And it's like, if I don't make it back, like that's one of those things that I'll be hearing from the rest of my life, because that's the way my brothers are. They, they don't let me get away with anything, mm-hmm. you know, in, in a good way. I mean, it's motivating and it's, yeah. so it's just one it's just one of those things like you, you take a punch and you roll with it and you know, you gotta, you gotta right. grind and you gotta get back to doing what you need to do. We talk a lot on the show about overcoming, you know, failures being uh, preemptive, you know, causes of your ultimate success and not that blowing out your arm is a failure, but it's definitely a major hurdle. Yeah. Do you think you'd be where you're at now if that hadn't happened? At that yeah, time? I think so. I think, I think like, I don't think I probably would have blown out at some other point, honestly, in truthfulness. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I would have went on to have a really good freshman year and probably have a chance to sign earlier. Now, do I think I'd be in the same position? I don't know. It's hard to tell um, because if I would have signed professionally and probably went on and to pro ball after that year, I don't know if I was mature enough for that. I don't know if I, I don't, I don't know right. what, you know, how I would have been able to live. And because, you know, it's one thing to be in college and it's another thing to be in pro ball at 19, 20 years old. And I mean, it's a job, you know, they treat it like a job and, you know, I wouldn't have smelter there telling me, Hey, dumbass, don't do this, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, to kind (laughs) of help me through the way you kind of, you're fed to the wolves in pro ball. And it's, if you, you know, if you, if you sink, you sink. If you swim, you swim. It's kind of one of those things. They don't really care that much about you. I mean, they do, but it's it's a business. Sure. Yeah. And everything happens yeah. for a reason. So, so it's. I mean, it's one of those things. It's kind of hard to tell. I mean, well, I, I think when I was going through Tommy John, I had to grow up a lot, and I, I think I did. I mean, you know, in that year where I was hurt and I was trying to make it back and. You know, it ended up taking me two years to get back just based on the college season and how it is. But, you know, those that year, that first year I got hurt, I felt like I really, really grew up. And I will say that once I got healthy enough to start throwing a baseball again and feel like I was going to play again, you know, then the motivation did start kicking in. And, you know, you you want to you don't want to let that kind of knock you down and deter you from your dreams. Um you know, you still got this dream that I'm going to go play major league baseball and you want to accomplish it. Right. 
So you go to JUCO, you, you got drafted. I looked it up, and it was I think you were pick number seven hundred and ninety eight. <laughs> so, not, not somebody took a shot on you. Who was that person? And obviously, that person ended up being right. But how did that whole you know getting drafted and just getting the shot? Because a lot of people don't yeah, even get that well, shot. So I I, ne- I never got drafted out of Yavapai. I got I signed I got drafted my senior year out of high school, right? And they could do the thing draft and follow, and I think that was the twenty sixth right. round with the Red Sox, and they could do the draft and follow to where they could sign you. I think up in like two weeks up until the next uh, draft, like they kind of keep your rights all year, and. Like I, I blew out and once I blew out, I kind of called the scout and told him, you know, I, Hey, I'm having Tommy John surgery. And, you know, we were talking a lot and he liked me, but once I told him that it's like, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. And, you know, I wish you the best of luck, but I never really heard from him again. And, you know, I right. went on and I pitched, I missed two years and I came back and pitched again. And like my, would have been my, I don't know what year it was, but it was my real, it was a freshman, considered my freshman year at Yavapai. Um, and I had an okay year and didn't get drafted. And, you know, was I was extremely bummed about it. And, uh, you know, I had to, I went back for, to Yavapai again. And, you know, I, I had a thought of a decent year, um, but not really a great year by any means. And, uh, you know, got passed up in the draft again. And that was, that's one of those things where that is the point in my life where I kind of, I even told my dad, I was like, this isn't going to happen. Like, it's just, it's, we were, you know, barbecuing a couple of steaks, sitting outside, drinking a couple of beers, like going, I'm like, dad, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Like, what do I do next? And I still had, like, it wasn't like mm-hmm. I had no other options. Like I had a, a scholarship to go to division two Mesa state, but I was going to be 22 years old playing division two baseball, like the baseball side of it and kind of taking it to the major leagues that seemed to be done. And the story I got mm-hmm. was that sky got on the phone with people and I, I, I asked him about this and he never really, I don't think he's ever kind of said anything and acknowledged it. But from what I got from my scout is that, Sky got on the phone and called basically a bunch of scouts and said, Hey, one of you guys needs to sign this dude or else don't bother coming back to my program to watch anybody, which to me is 100% believable because I feel like you do that. And, uh, that's that pretty sounds awesome. like something he would say for exactly. sure. Exactly. <laughs> and so Jason Derosha is his name and he was a scout for the Tampa Bay Rays at the time. And he called me, I think it was like three days after the draft. And he's like, Hey, Kirby, this is Jason. Um, and Rocha went to Tampa Bay Rays. I heard you want to play professional baseball. And it's like, it's seven o'clock in Hawaii time, seven 30 in the morning. I'm a college kid. Like I'm not, you know, you're not necessarily trying to wake up at seven, <laughs> seven 30 in the morning. So I'm a little right. groggy and I'm like, wait, what'd you say your name was? And he's like, Jason Drosha, I'm with Tampa Bay Rays. I'm like, okay, what's up? And he's like, I heard you want to play pro ball. I'm like, yeah, I do. And he's like, okay, well, I got a roster spot for you in rookie ball and um, a $1,000 signing bonus. And I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, it's there if you want it. I'm like, all right, hold on. Like, Can I call you back in like five minutes? And I hung up the phone. I'm like, dad, some dude just called me and asked me if I want to play baseball. I'm like, I don't know if this is true. <laughs> is this yeah, a prank I like, call? I don't know if this is true. <laughs> I don't know what to do. And he's like, well, you should call your brother. So I call Tyler and I'm like, hey, 
Some dude just offered me like a thousand dollars in a roster spot in rookie ball. He's like, "What'd you say?" I said, "I was like, I told him I'd call him back." He's like, "Kirby, you need to call him right now and tell him yes, you accept it." And he might be on the phone with somebody else calling him. I'm like, "Oh shit, I better, I better, I better call this dude back." So I called him back and I was like, "Hey, Jason, I'll sign it. Whatever you guys want. Um, I don't care. Just don't give, don't give the spot to somebody else." And so, I mean. Two days later, I flew out to, from Kauai. I flew all the way to Princeton, West Virginia, and, you know, started. That was when I kind of started the career. Nice. That's awesome. That was a good <laughs> yeah. story. So, I mean, once you get the pro to the pro level, there's, I mean, you got the minors. You got so many different levels there. And, um, I mean, it's a journey to get to where you're at now. Um, walk us through that, your your journey so far in the bigs. Like, what teams you play for? Where'd you go? And kind of experiencing that yeah um i got went through tampa bay system uh started in 2009 was my first year and then made my debut in 2014 um let's see yeah 2014 and then pitched the rest of that year in the big leagues and then 2015 i was still with tampa and i was going up and down um doing the carousel triple a back to the big leagues back to the triple a i had a terrible year uh, it was the worst year I'd had in pro ball so far. And they, they designated me. And then that off season, um, Cleveland claimed me first and I was with Cleveland for a month on paper. They signed Napoli and designated, they designated me again. So I was in lingo again for about 10 days. And then the Yankees claimed me. And then in 2016, I made, um, I made the opening day roster for the Yankees, got off to a pretty good start, um, you know, threw the ball pretty well for two months and then just kind of got tired and honestly just fell on my face for a month and kind of never recovered. And, you know, I had a really bad month. If you, and once I made it back to the big leagues, it was just, it was never really the same with them. Um, You know, I would throw the ball good at some point and other times I would just suck and, it's just one of those learning curves that I kind of went through that kind of helped me, um, you know, the rest of my career. And then in 2017, I think when I came into that season is when I was probably the most prepared I was to be a big leaguer, honestly. Um, sorry, we'll backtrack to 2016. After the season, uh, Yankees put me on waivers, I believe it was. And then Anaheim Angels claimed me. And went to spring training with them. Did not. I didn't have a good spring at all. Um, made the what is it? Triple. I went to Triple A. Got off to a pretty good start there in the first few weeks, I believe. And then uh, ended up getting called up for a day. Pitched in a game, sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Got designated the next day, and then like three days later, the Padres claimed me, and I've been with the Padres ever since. Wow. What was it like playing for the Yankees? I know, I mean, that's one of the, the biggest names in the world as far as the world of sports. Uh, what was it like playing for them? And it was, it's, it was awesome. Um, at the time, I think I was a little overwhelmed by it. I don't think, you know, I, I just, I was living in the city. I was, you know, I just think I was a little overwhelmed. That I got tired. And I don't think I was physically or mentally ready for that in my career. And that's one of the biggest 
probably lessons I learned for myself. I mean, literally the next year I kind of rededicated myself to everything just because, you know, after that year, I felt like, all right, there's, I'm not going to have a whole lot of opportunity here if I suck again. So Uh, now or never. Yeah. Kind of a deal. Like, you know, I felt like I was on my way out and I wasn't exactly trending in the right direction. You know, everybody wants you, everybody wants to be trending in the right direction. I was not. (laughs) Yeah. So I kind of, I bought a house in Arizona. I moved from Kauai to Arizona, um, hired personal trainers, got with some buddies that were going to this workout place and, I fall in their footsteps. I went there and, you know, I just, I did the program and I felt like when I came back to spring training in 2017, that one mentally, I felt like I was a lot stronger and two physically, I felt like I could handle a big league season. So a lot of people, especially with professional athletes, they, they see the success and they just kind of, I don't think a lot of people real realize the entire journey it takes to get to that level. And especially in a sport like baseball, we were talking earlier, where you fail more often than you succeed, you're, you're, you got to make, you know, you were kind of shortchanged getting drafted. You bounced around teams and, and didn't really have a home until you got to San Diego. And then last year you just break out and have, you know, a amazing all-star career year. What's it like going from, you know, the grind to kind of being at the, the top of your game the the weird i think like everybody expects that when you all of a sudden like you're putting up numbers and you're doing good like the works you you stop doing the work but like the work never stops you know what i mean I, i you still are working as hard as you are when you're doing good and whether you're doing bad i mean for most people like i've obviously i changed my routine a little bit i think within that but like by changing my routine, it almost made me work harder just based on the fact because it was something that I believed in and I something that I knew I had to do to be successful. So when you start kind of trending in the right direction and start, you know, progressing and doing better and having success and stuff like that, you almost come like that, that routine is like your heartbeat almost. And so, Mm like the more success you have to me, the more that routine matters and the more work you're going to do, if that makes sense. What, um, what exactly, or just specifically did you change in that routine that you felt uh, contributed to your success? Honestly, it was everything. Um, you know, I mean, working out different groups of people. Yeah. More like the working out part was the off season. I really got, like I said, rededicated. I was in the weight room more than I ever had been. And, you know, I've, I've kept that for the last three, three years. Um, but I think the in season part is like the preparation to go in and face hitters and, you know, be prepared when I step on that mound, that understanding who I'm facing and understanding that I know how to get this guy out when he steps in the batter's box, because like every hitter that comes into the box knows exactly what you're going to throw him and knows they have a plan. So I think the one thing that changed my career is I started, I started developing these plans going into at bats and, you know, just basically tried to execute them. And it, it just became more of like a chess game instead of, you know, I'm trying to overmatch this guy with stuff and, 
blow it by them right. and do all this. Like I finally actually felt like I was starting to pitch at the big league level and like kind of understand a concept of how to get these guys out because I mean, yeah, they like, it's amazing. They fail so many times. And like a, a really, if a, a guy hits like 260, 270 in the big leagues, he's pretty damn good hitter. And there's, you know, there's a lot of those guys <laughs> and it's, it's amazing how, you know, they're like 260, 270 hitters. But if you throw a ball over the plate, they absolutely whack it hard. And it, you know, I mean, yeah. so you, I started to just understand like where I can go to be safe and, kind of just develop these plans to get these guys out and just you know it it takes time to come up with those plans and the preparation i think the preparation part of you know my day is key definitely so that's one thing another another thing i don't think people realize how how much baseball is a mental sport and you started to touch on it. What's the mentality like as a closer? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, like for me, I, I just <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy the responsibility of having to go in and get three outs for my team to win the game. I I, I like that pressure. I like that responsibility. Um, so. Do you have to like psych yourself up to get in there and do it? Are you like fired up? Uh, ready to go get these guys out or is it what's your approach to the whole thing I don't like so it's no different for me like pitching the seventh or eighth inning in a lead or a sixth inning honestly um you know I think other people get a little bit more pumped up for you because they play loud music and they do the whole deal and stuff like that but like right I think the 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 worst part or the most like you're nervous or you, your body starts going is like probably in the eighth inning, like, you know, waiting for the eighth inning to be done. So as soon as it's done, like, all right, you know, it's your time. And that little, that little gap between waiting for the phone to ring and knowing that you're going in, like, that's kind of when your heart starts pounding. But like, once you start warming up and, you know, getting in a rhythm and stuff like that, like, for me, I'm just focused on my job. Like, I'm just focused on who I'm going to face. Like, what am I going to throw this guy and how am I going to get him out? Like, how am I going to punch his ticket? What am I going to do? You know, so I think for me, I kind of try and just dummy it down a lot and to say, like, all right, like, I'm facing yeah. this guy. This is what he's going to get. And I'm just solely fa focused on the pitch, you know? Very cool. Do you have that? game plan down like you're so the phone rings in the pen you're up you're getting loose you know who you know if you're facing three four five and who they are I mean is it down to the pitch or are you relying a lot on the catcher too to kind of help you with that um game plan? I, like I know what I'm gonna throw I usually know going into every at bat when I'm gonna throw this guy first pitch and you know it all starts with kind of like strike one like if I get strike one, now I can go do this. And, you know, now I, I, I can go, like, I can go get my, like, I can, I have the advantage, so I can kind of dictate the bat where I want to go. But like, if I go one Oh, like I have to know where I can go. Like I need to know my safe spot, whether it's, I'm going to throw a split I'm going to throw a fastball in a certain location. Like, you know, I have to understand where I'm going to go just so, it can be, you know, I, I can't just throw a meatball down a plate because that's those are the kind of counts that right. Um, 
you know, the hitter has in his favor and that's, that's when they can do their damage. So I think when you're behind, you have to understand where you can go to not necessarily get hit, but you still have to make good pitches. You're almost like minimizing risk. Yeah, exactly. So you're exactly right. Hmm. Like, all right, what's my, like, what's he, and plus two, when they're like one, Oh, they kind of look for a little zones and, you know, they want to kind of, they want to do some damage. So there's usually certain areas that you can go. Like if you execute your pitch, they're probably not going to swing. And so you can get yourself back into the counts by like, I always call it like stealing a strike. Well, where can I go to steal a strike? Right. So there's a, like, it, it turns into a massive chess game usually. Right. What's your, what's like your one pitch that like you got to get a strike here and you're going to throw it or is it all based off the hitter too? I think everything's kind of based off the hitter. Um, yeah. You know, and, and in saying that, I never want to get away from my strengths. You know, I, I don't ever want to do something. Um, I don't ever want to do something that's going to kind of take me away from what I'm good at doing just by because I adjust to the hitter, you know. Sure. So a um, couple episodes we had on um, Solomon Simmons. He's the uh, top U.S. decathlete. Uh, hopefully he'll be representing uh, the U.S. in the Olympic Games this summer. But he was talking about data and how data just drives everything in track and field. And we know data is in baseball. It's everywhere. They're looking at everything. Um, how's data affecting your game? Do you use it? Does you going back and looking at charts, looking at numbers, spin rates, all that stuff? What I, I really... I don't really get into it a whole lot i mean i know what it is and i know what it means um but i I honestly i'm a big feel guy i need to and like yeah i think honestly i think people are getting way too carried away with it like oh the spin rate he has high spin rate well i've seen guys that have extremely high spin rate and they throw it over the plate and hitters absolutely waffle it so <laughs> if it's so effective and it's so great, I mean, like, you know, obviously there's good to everything and there's bad to everything, but like, that's not, that's not what makes people good is because they have really high spin rate. And it, it, it to me, sure. it all boils down to executing pitches. Like you have to execute pitches to certain spots to be successful. I mean, it's, it's been like that for a long, long time now. So you know, if you have high spin rate and you have all the data stuff that, you know, gets everybody crazy and everybody loves it, you know, and you can execute pitches, now you're probably going to be a pretty good pitcher. But you still have to be able to throw the ball where you want and kind of, you know, you, you still have to command everything. You can't just yeah throw a million and have high spin rate and expect nobody to hit anything. So cool. Um Let's switch gears a little bit. Um, you know, we looked on your your social media. It looked like you were uh, you and your wife are um, pretty involved in raising awareness for epilepsy. Um, you want to tell us a little more about that? Yeah. Um, so we've partnered, you know, with the Epilepsy Foundation of San Diego um, because about. So I have a two year old daughter and a one year old son, and after my daughter was um, born about, we found out, you know, that she was, got pregnant pretty quickly. (laughs) Vegas. (laughs) 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 But, you know, uh, so we got pregnant with Cove, our son and about, she was pregnant. I think she was about five or six months pregnant and my wife had a seizure in her sleep and it was, 
one of those things that I've never, she's, she's never had one. She's never, you know, she's been a really healthy person her entire life pretty much. And, you know, she started making these noises in her, in her sleep and started doing some weird things. And I was trying to wake her up and, you know, she came out of it kind of awkwardly and weirdly and like kind of looked at me and had no clue that anything was going on. And, um, it's one, you know, so we went and saw some doctors after that and they couldn't really do a whole lot because she was pregnant and you didn't want to do all the tests while you're there because it's kind of risky for the baby. So we had to wait till, you know, she was, she gave birth and, you know, everything went really well while she gave birth. She had a planned C-section, so it was very easy and, you know, everything's good. Baby was healthy and all that. Um, but like a month after, or just about a month or two after we had Cove, she had another real big seizure. And this one was, you know, a big one at an esthetician's office and ended up in the ER, ended up in the hospital and, um, you know, she basically got diagnosed with epilepsy and kind of out of nowhere. And so this is one of those things that, you know, kind of hits you in the face and we've been fortunate enough to partner with an awesome foundation. And, um, you know, we've, we've made some friends and we've heard some other stories that have kind of helped. I think both of us kind of, you know, just understand where we need to go and kind of how we treat this and what we need to do. Very cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Where can uh, so what was the name of the it's foundation? The Epilepsy again? Foundation of San Diego. Okay, got it. And so we've you know, we've hosted. We actually, when September we hosted an event. It was like comedy for a cause, and um, you know we helped raise some money for them. And we've we did another. We got invited out to for another event. It was like they they have a gingerbread bread gala in uh, the beginning of December and um, you know, me and Ashley were the honorary guests and it, it's cool. It's That's neat. Cool. It's a, it's an awesome, you know, partnership. And you know, my wife, my wife is the front runner on this. She kind of heads all of it and uh, is super involved and is proud to be involved. And I just kind of sit back and do what I can, but you know, I'm there to support her. And, uh, but it, it's been really neat with the relationships we've made. It's awesome. Nice. All right, Kirby. It is time for kind of one of our favorite parts of the show is the gauntlet, which Johnny mentioned earlier. It's 60 seconds. Random questions. We alternate. Um, if your answers don't line up with our opinions, they're wrong. If they do, then we'll give you a ding and they're right. <laughs> but it is totally up perfect. So let me let me get uh, my questions in the clock. No, I don't have. We'll go back. We'll add them later. Okay. So you won't know if you're right or wrong. (laughs) Ever. You're 173 yards out. Slight wind in the face. What club are we hitting? How how much wind? Uh, Just a gentle (laughs) Arizona breeze. Uh, Seven iron. Okay. Who would be your first pick of your own all-star team? Mike Trout. Do you, when you go dancing, do you do the Dougie or the electric slide? (laughs) Dougie. (laughs) (laughs) If you could travel to any place or time period in the past, when and where? 
realm medieval ages. Um, favorite surf spot? Kawhi, secret, I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the Sandlot, Little Big League, or Rookie of the Year? Dude, I love Little Big League. <laughs> uh, you eating a full salad or a side salad with your meal? Full. All right, that's 60 seconds. Oh, I got one more. Um, do you like guacamole? If it's homemade. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> <laughs> Forgot to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> Karate in the garage. Yeah, let's yeah. go. <laughs> The well-known signature right there on the blade. <laughs> Randy Jackson. So I, all right. All right so I guess I did good. Did I do good? Go ahead, man. Oh man, that was great. Johnny, what are you? Yeah, what are we, you hitting? 173 yards, slight win in your face. In Arizona, yeah, it depends. It's a seven or an eight. I was going to say depends. you're probably hitting a nine iron. Uh, in in up here in Denver for sure. <laughs> because of the air yeah dude you can crush i hit the ball like tiger woods up here it's it's awesome (laughs) kirby uh before we let you go man where can obviously we're gonna track you uh next season i'll root for you every game except for when you come into atlanta and play the braves (laughs) um where can people follow you on social media um i've i'm on uh instagram at curbs quad I think do I have 39? I'm not sure. Let's see. It's Curbs Kawhi. Um just K-I-R-B-S Kawhi K-A-U-A-I. And on Twitter, I think I have the same. I have 39. It's it's actually uh Kawhi Kirby. Yeah, Kawhi Kirby 39. So close but different. Yeah. So <laughs> all right. Awesome. Well, cool. Right on, That's right it. on, guys. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah. Should we play that music? Let's do it. That's pretty good. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs>